Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're here. I thought about putting on Facebook, don't miss tonight, because I'll be teaching, but I didn't know if we'd, it'd be full or empty. I'm still not sure yet, so I thought I'd just leave it alone and see who showed up. So I'd say the best showed up. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to start off with a quick video, something to lighten the mood here for a little bit. They give the uh, contestant a head start, and then watch this guy in the freeze suit. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Watch this, folks. I mean, the guy had, what, a 200-foot head start? At least. Look at this guy go. This guy is beautiful. Wow. Everybody seen the freeze? I guess that guy's only lost like three times, man. He is so fast. He had like a huge lead. But that video right there is kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight a little bit. We're talking about self-destruction. And Pastor started it off a couple weeks ago, and I thought, you know what? I like that topic. There is so much to self-destruction that I would just continue the subject. But I thought I'd kind of review a little bit of what Pastor talked about. And, of course, the first thing that he talked about with self-destruction was pride. Who said that first? If I had a candy bar, I'd give it to you right here. Excellent, Roz. He talked on pride. And, of course, the scripture verse that he used was Proverbs, the 16th chapter, verse 18, that said, pride comes before a fall or destruction. And when I'm looking at pride and I see pride and fall, it kind of brings me to the first casualty of pride's poison, and that was Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan. Amen? And, you know, I kind of wondered, well, I kind of know he went, you know, he fell from heaven, but I wanted to read this a little bit to find out just what happened. So in Isaiah, the 14th chapter, verse 12, and you really won't have to look up those tonight because we're going to have them up here for you. And this is in the NLT version, by the way. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. And I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. The devil become hyper-narcissistic, if you ask me. In other words, he had a real, I don't know, uh, behavioral problem an infatuation problem with himself. I, he is going to climb above the Creator, put himself up there, and be like the Most High? Wow, the pride that that guy had. And of course, the Bible says that he fell, and great was his fall, all due to pride, the first casualty of pride's poison. Well, then think who the next casualties were. The devil thought, hmm, well, I fell because of it, so now I'm going to try this out on 
Get yourself another fake candy bar right there, Eric. Fantastic. I'm going to try this out on Adam and Eve. And as we all know, it worked. It worked without fail. The only reason God doesn't want you to eat from that tree over there is because you will be like him. That's the only reason. And we don't know how long it took them to listen and think about it until they, it could be thousands, it could have been thousands of years before they finally took and ate of that and fell. Again, pride causes self-destruction. Amen? Amen. And the other thing that I'm looking at in the Bible with pride, there are so many things. There's so many illustrations on pride. But we have thousands and thousands of languages today because of pride. Do we not? <laughs> the Tower of Babel. You know, God killed everybody that was in sin, started over again. And the first thing he told them was this. I want you to scatter abroad the earth. Go here and there and everywhere and multiply. Well, what did those people do? Instead of scattering, they decided to stay together. Number one, they disobeyed God right off the bat. Bam. I just killed everybody. I can just hear him now. I just got rid of everybody. And here I'm going to have to do it again. But I can't. Jesus said, hey, uh -uh, you said you wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's right. And then the Holy Spirit agreed with him. So what did he do? He said, let us, if you read your Bible, God said, let us, remember this three in one, let us go down and scatter the languages. And instantly he scattered the languages because they said, let's build a building, a tower that goes above heaven so then we can say, look what we have done. Look at our creation. And God instantly scattered their languages because of their pride. Whew, man, pride is a big self-destructor, isn't it? It really is. So you put pride in front of anything, and you will find it destroys people. And I found another great example, and that was King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel, the fourth chapter, verse 30, it says, As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my, I said, by my own power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor and he probably laughed at the end <laughs> now just a little while before that he had a run-in with Daniel he was building towers and and things so they could worship him and Daniel got thrown in the lion's den and Daniel was King Nebuchadnezzar's friend and man that morning he King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, Daniel, and Daniel was alive. Whoa, you're alive. Hallelujah, your God is amazing. And then a little while later, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, alive in the fire, and Jesus was there, and King Nebuchadnezzar saw it all. Hey, guess what? I'm done. I'm done with myself. We're going we're gonna to start worshiping your God, Daniel. Woo! And for a while, he did. But he forgot. He forgot where he once was. I don't know how you forget lions not eating your friend. I don't know how you forget four guys in a fire 
And the guys that turned up the fire died and they weren't even in the fire. How do you forget that stuff? I don't know how, but he did. And sometimes we forget where we once were. I mean, we tried to get out of sin as fast as we could when we hear that Jesus was the answer. But years go by, things happen, and we forget why we left sin, why we left that dark place. And King Nebuchadnezzar forgot. And look what God said in verse 31 of Daniel. While these words were still in, Dan, in uh, whatever his name was, King Nebuchadnezzar's mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Let that sink in for a minute. He went from look at what I have built to eating like a cow for seven years. The guy was probably pretty healthy. I mean, that's all organic. <laughs> you know, that's pretty good. Uh, ain't that right, Doc? I mean, it's pretty organic, you know. So from that to that, because of pride. Amen? You put pride in front of anything, and you'll find it destroys people. Pride of power possessions, position, intelligence, wealth, and yes, even appearance. Hmm. Mirror, mirror. On the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? You are. You are. You are the fairest of them all. Oh, you're just saying that. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? You are. You are the fairest <laughs> of them all. white movie mirror mirror on the wall appearance today appearance is everything is it not it's everything and if you don't have it then you're nothing I see it in schools I see it everywhere hmm. well look at you you know girls are the worst they are the worst you know listen when a good-looking guy goes by me you know I'm like What's up, dude, man? You look good, man. Yeah, man. So what kind of protein you take, you know? Everything's great. But when a good-looking girl walks by, look at another girl. 
wonder where she got that ugly dress. <laughs> whatever, whatever. It's ridiculous. I don't know what's wrong with you girls, but it is like that. <laughs> so appearance, pride, it will cause self-destruction as it did the wicked queen. Amen? Pride caused Satan to lose heaven. Adam and Eve lost their relationship with God because of pride. Pharaoh lost his son. Goliath lost his head. Seriously. Samson lost his eyes because of pride. Saul lost his crown. Pastor taught on that. King Nebuchadnezzar lost his kingdom. And Haman was hung from the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai, all because of pride. That's just a few illustrations of pride in the Old Testament. If we jump over to the New Testament, let me tell you, those 12 disciples, they ought to thank their pretty beards that all Jesus did was give them a heckling and a rebuke when they were trying to decide amongst each other who was going to be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom in Mark the ninth chapter. Wow. I mean, think of that. I think I'm going to be the great. It was the disciples. All because of pride. And what did Jesus say? If you want to be great, then become nothing. Yeah. And he was the prime example of it. I mean, I tell the kids back there, listen, do you guys really understand that the king, our creator, he came to the earth in human form. He had it all. And when I'm in Africa and other places, I'd say, and I say this in love, but I say this and I don't back down from it. I tell them, Jesus had it all. You understand? He had it all. He left it all to come down here so you could have it all. I said, no other so-called God will do that. Never did. And I named the different gods. And I said they were selfish. They were into themselves. They raped women. They took what they wanted to. They took land. They did it all for themselves. Jesus was the only one who left pride behind, was humble, and gave everything to you and took your sin as well. Wow. Wow. So he was the example. He washed the dirty feet. I can only imagine what they smelled like back then. He washed every one of them without complaining. He was our example. So if he can do it, then we can do it. Lose our pride. Amen? So that's all I want to say about pride. There's, you could go on all night about that. The pastor also brought up laziness. Laziness. And he brought up 2 Thessalonians 3.10, and it says, If you don't work, you don't eat. You see, hard work pays off in the future. Laziness pays off instantly. <laughs> Amen? It does. It, it really does. God worked. He worked six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. He went to Hawaii. I don't know what he did. I don't know. Adam and Eve, when they were created, they worked. They tended the garden. They named all the animals. They subdued the earth. Well, they had a job to do. 
But they also read, but in the cool of the day, God and Adam talked and walked. They rested. There's nothing wrong with rest. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation. There's nothing wrong with a nap. As long as it's two hours and not five. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with resting. <laughs> God rested. Amen? So I have a picture, just a quick picture, of just kind of what laziness might look like. Okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you where this was because it could get me in trouble. But I just, I took this picture. And to me, that's a picture of laziness right there. Okay? Okay? So, <laughs> Phyllis, you're, Pastor Phyllis, you're going to get, in, in, you don't have to say amen, okay? All right. <laughs> laziness is not attractive. It's not attractive. Now, women don't like laziness. I know that. All right? But that is a picture of laziness to me. But yet, when you talk to a lazy person, they got every excuse in the book for this. Okay? Well, they'll say, number one, well, no, 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 no. I was trying to hide the propane tank because the propane tank is ugly. So I just got to hide the propane tank. I mean, they'll come up with these crazy things. Lazy people will. Or they'll say, no, 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 no. I was only going to cut all that down in the fall, so I only have to do it one time. All right? Saves on gas, saves on the weed whacker, saves on maintenance. You know, that's what a lazy person will say. So an unlazy person, like myself, will make something look like that look a little different. Something that looks like that. So, <laughs> and it was funny because Andrew says, well, Pastor Andy, why didn't you clean underneath it? And I said, oh, because I was lazy. So, <laughs> He, he cracked up laughing at that. All right. So laziness is not attractive. And Proverbs 18.9 says that a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Wow. So lazy people destroy themselves. Self-destruction. And pastor brought up Mark the ninth chapter, verse 14, where a father brought a boy to Jesus. And this boy obviously had a, was possessed with a horrible demon. And he brought out, it wasn't a leprosy, but it was a demonic devil. And he brought out the fact that when Jesus was talking to the father, the father knew what he was talking about. Well, it's something's wrong with him. He's got a spirit. See, he had been to different places. He had done all that he could do. He wasn't lazy about the situation. And of course, Jesus healed him. That was pastor's demonstration or his remembrance of that. Mine was probably one of the most famous stories, and that's the woman with the issue of blood. You look at her. For 12 years, that poor lady bled. For 12 years. And the Bible states that she didn't just lay on the couch and say, well, this is, this is my lot in life. This apparently is what God has for me. I'll just lay here. If he heals me, I'll be okay because God heals who he wants to. I'm here if you want to heal me, Lord. But if you're trying to teach me a lesson, then I'll lay right here and bleed all over this couch. She didn't do that, did she? No, she went to every doctor she could find, the Bible says. She spent all of her money. I'm sure she went abroad and 
they had camels, they didn't have cars. I'm sure it took her a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of unlaziness to try to find the answer. And I don't know, but usually after, I don't mean to be gross, but a, a menstrual cycle, for, women are tired. They just want to sleep because it takes a lot out of their system. Can you imagine 12 years of this with nonstop? So she had to be tired, she had to be weak, but she didn't give up, she wasn't lazy. And when she heard from a distance that there was somebody coming who does miracles, signs, and wonders, man, she got up and she went out. Now, I've been to Africa, and I'll tell you what, I've been to Africa, Philip can attest to this. We've been in Mogogosiak, Kenya, Africa, one of our third crusades that we was at since 2014. There was only 3,000 people there the first night. Now, by Sunday, there was over 70,000 people. But that first night, there was only 3,000 people, and pastor prayed for a lady, and the boil on her neck instantly disappeared. You, was you there for that? Everybody rushed the stage. The stage almost fell over. It's up on rocks. And we had to say, oh, wait, wait, it's okay. Jesus is here. Your miracle is coming. Back up. You're going to knock the stage over. They thronged that stage because they wanted their miracle because they saw that miracle. I can't imagine how many people were around Jesus when he came to that city. But she said, I don't care. I don't care, and got through that crowd somehow, just barely, and grabbed the hem of that garment, and got her healing, because she wasn't lazy. Hallelujah. Now, there's a plethora of other things that cause self-destruction. I'm just going to name a few, and you may be going through these. And I want to name them because... We're not here just to do something on Sundays and Wednesdays. We're here to be healed. We're here to learn. We're here to be set free. That's what we're here for. God wants us all to be healed, set free, delivered, happy and healthy. This is why we do this. So these are some of the things that you might be going through that cause self-destruction. And the first one is shame. Shame. Or you can even say guilt. Or regret. How about this one? A big one. Condemnation. Condemnation is a big one. And we're going to talk a little bit about condemnation here in a minute. Fear. Fear will limit your life. My brother has had a spirit of fear on him for at least 17 years. He's only been out of the house three times in 17 years because of fear. It limits your life, causes self-destruction. Hopelessness is another big one these days. I heard, well, it didn't have nothing to do with hopelessness, but I heard a nine-year-old took his life yesterday because being bullied. I just, it's ridiculous, but hopelessness. You might say, well, I don't know that I'm ever going to get married. I've tried, I've asked God. Nobody's come my way, so again, hopelessness tries to set in. Or you are married and your husband or wife just haven't given their lives to Jesus. You've done anything. You've been the example that you're supposed to be. It's been 17 years. I'm giving up. I don't know what else to do. Hopeless. Or what about finances? Every time I turn around, it's just gone. Or this disease 
that I just keep carrying. These headaches just won't go away. I've had them for years. I'm getting hopeless. Hopelessness will cause self-destruction. Being offended. That's why these pews aren't even full tonight, because of offense. Somebody said something that somebody else didn't like or looked at me wrong. You know, a good pastor friend of mine, I called him the other day. I said, hey, how you doing? And he's out of Dallas, Texas. And he said, eh, I'm doing okay. I said, well, what's the matter? He said, well, I've lost two of my best givers in church. And I said, okay, what happened? He said, well, he said, you won't believe this, but I'm getting ready to go up to the pulpit and I'm getting ready to preach. And I'm getting ready to open up my Bible. And a first-time guest is sitting on the front or second row. And she sees another lady sitting beside her and she goes over to the lady and said oh your hair is beautiful and touches the back of her hair the problem was it was a black lady's hair and the black lady looked at the white lady and said don't you ever touch a black woman's hair and she was serious <laughs> Nikki says don't touch my hair <laughs> well that that lady got up crying and walked out of the church and the pastor says, went over to him, why did you do that? You, you understand that was wrong? Yeah, I know. I, I just, she, I couldn't, she just touched my hair. I, I, I just freaked. Well, you, just, you owe her an apology. Okay, okay, I'll, we'll give her an apology. Eric never seen him again. That couple left. Six weeks later, they come back. They said, we want to have a meeting with you. They gave him an envelope. And it was full of money. Uh, praise God. He said, here, we just want to give you an offering, let you know that we're not coming back. Why? He could never get the answer. Could never get offense. Offense. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 165, that if you're a Christian, that you shouldn't ever be offended. Ever. If you love the law... And then you have to go in and research what really the law is on loving your neighbors, loving your brothers, loving yourself, da-da-da-da, then you should never be offended. But offense will cause self-destruction because then they leave the church, they go to another church, they wasn't supposed to go there, or they don't go to church at all, so now they're out from underneath a covering, and uh, you know what happens. The next thing you know, they forgot who they were, now they're back drinking and smoking and cussing. Offense. All right, how about bitterness? Because of offense, bitterness comes. And the problem with bitterness is most of the time the person that has bitterness, the person that offended them, they, get, they don't even know it. Because the person that's offended, the person that got bitterness, didn't do Bible basic 101 and go to that person. John, I just want to let you know that I am offended because you look so good and I don't. I just have to come and tell you that. That's what you're supposed to do, all right? But people don't do that. So therefore, the offense becomes bitterness, and bitterness leads to physical sicknesses and diseases. And that's been proven, not in the Bible, but medically. Hmm. Causes self-destruction. Gluttony, pastor taught on gluttony as well. Insecurities, uncontrolled thoughts, compulsions, or impulses. You see, all of these self-destructive poisons we talk about have one thing in common. It deals with 
what? What? Self. Who said that? Get yourself a fake candy bar right there. Fantastic. It deals with self or our flesh. You see, we fight the world. We're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of it. So it's our enemy. It is our enemy. All right, so that's an enemy. We fight. We also fight the devil because, of course, he's our enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy everything that we have, whether you're a sinner or a Christian. He hated you before you got saved, and after you got saved, now he really hates your guts. So he's our enemy. So we have the world, and we have the devil. But when it comes to self-destruction, the worst enemy of all is who we see in the mirror every day. It's ourselves. I was just counseling with somebody three days ago, and he actually said, I just need to get myself out of the way because I'm causing myself self-destruction. I said, yes, you are. Get yourself out of the way. Get yourself out of the way. So how do we defeat self-destructive behavior when the biggest enemy is what we see in the mirror? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because this is really where I want to go tonight, right here. Romans 7, 21. Romans 7, 21. And this is Paul. All right, and Paul says, I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Paul says, I've learned this principle, that every time I want to do something right, I do the opposite of it. Why do I do what is wrong? When I want to do what is right, and the right thing I never do because I do what is wrong all the time. That's the principle that Paul got in life? Jeez, I'm glad he wasn't preaching that. Here's the principle today, guys. You'll always do what you don't want to do. And what you don't want to do, you'll always do. God bless you. We're going to take an offering. Good night. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's the principle? Wow. This is Paul, man. Paul said this. And he said, but I love God's law. So what he's telling us in those two scripture verses is, I love God's law, but it still isn't helping. Because I still, even though I love God's law, I still have this thing within me that always wants to do what it wants to do. And here's what he says in the next scripture verse. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Who is going to help him? He wants to know. Well, let me tell you, it isn't going to be Oprah. It isn't going to be Dr. Phil. It isn't going to be a program, a pill. It's not going to be any of that, is it? No. And he found that out. But I want to make this point first. He loved God's law with all of his heart. What is the law? Laws work 
on the outside, not on the inside. See, we have laws all day that people break. No smoking area. I was in St. Rita's the other day to see somebody, and all of a sudden I see these people smoking right outside, and they're nurses. They see people die every day, and they're still out there going, self-destruction, obviously. And it's a no-smoking campus. That means, the campus means what? From sidewalk to driveway to the street. That's a campus. This is a non-smoking campus. It's a law that is just now being broken. Laws don't work on the inside. They barely work with people on the outside. But they definitely don't work on the inside. Let me, let me make it. Mr. Kaminsky, come up here, please. How you doing, sir? You have no pride. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Awesome. You work in the children's church, don't you? I do. Amen. Did you, did you work in the children's church? Yes. Say that a little louder. I work in the children's uh, church. Just wanted to make that point. Okay. Obviously. Now, Eric, I want to do something with you tonight, just as an example, okay? Uh, I don't know, you may not ever want to help me again, but sir, here you go. I, I would like you to put that on your head, please. And I, I don't I have some help somewhere here? Come on up here, ladies. And uh, I need you, to, I'm not going to have you put this on, okay? But just, fit. it wouldn't fit anyway. I Just hold that up so people can see. There you go. I was going to put some balloons behind it, but I thought, ah, it's going too far. All right. So there you go. You can hold your purse. Ladies, go ahead and do your thing real quick there. So we are going to transform. Oh, there's some spray. Oh, we got some blush. We got some fingernail polish going on right there. Excellent. That looks really nice. Wow, Alexis, that is a horrible job. Oh, we got some lipstick. We got some lipstick going on there. Very nice. Excellent. You know, you smell good. Thank okay, you. you look good. Here's your shoes, by the way. Okay. Do we have it in a pump? Uh, no, I don't even know what a pump is, but anyhow. All right, so, we have, wait, you're losing your dress, Eric. God, Jesus. Jesus, we're in public, okay? You're on television, for God's sake. All right, so, and, and you know what? It's a, little, it's a little high. We'll lower it a little bit. There you go, okay. <laughs> so, we can't, we, no, that's fine. You can stay back up. You have a slip on underneath. It's okay. So we have transformed the outward appearance of Eric to now look like a very strange woman. Okay? So he's, 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 got, he's got his hair and he's got his nail polish, which is instant dry, it's what it says. But with that much on it, I don't know how instant that's going to be. He's got his purse, his, his, his shoes, his beautiful dress. All right? Now, I've transformed your exterior to look like a woman. Yeah. Now, he looks like a woman, yes? I didn't hear much from the audience on that, on that one. <laughs> but now, on the inside, is Eric still a man? I certainly hope so. He says, I certainly hope so. So, I can do whatever cosmetically I want to to try to change the exterior appearance of you, but no matter what I do, mess with his nose, shave that stuff off his face, make him look a little bit more womanly, he is still on the inside, has the DNA of a man. I cannot change that in Eric, no matter what we try to do. Amen? I mean, I had volunteers, but if I had some paid women, they'd do a little bit better job, but it's still 
he would still be a man on the inside. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Brother Eric. You can get yourself a candy bar on the way down. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you can take that with you. Go ahead. There you go. There's your reward. Maybe Ida can use some of that. I don't know. All right. <laughs> so, so my point with that crazy illustration, laws work on the outside, but laws cannot work on the inside. Amen? Amen? Paul said, I love God's law, but it's still not working for me because I still am doing what is wrong. Hallelujah? Amen? Human behavior won't be changed by a law. Reversing self-destruction doesn't work by obeying laws. And here's another good example. Grandpa, my, my grandpa was alive on my, my dad's side. I love my grandpa. I love my grandma. I loved going to their house every weekend because, well, we lived in Piqua. They lived in Sydney, and, and they had air conditioning, and we didn't. They had cable. We didn't. They had heat in the wintertime, and I love that fan-forced heat. That, you know, and they had a big king-size bed that I get to lay in, you know, and we had that old iron stuff that sat against a wall, you know, and, and that was nasty, and it never got hot. It was freezing. But in the wintertime, that fan-forced air would kick in. I'd fall asleep, and Grandma would come and tuck me in a little bit further. It was great. I loved it. And then I'd get up in the morning, and I'd watch Scooby-Doo and all those things it's on cable TV. It was awesome. I loved it. But my Grandpa, I would hear certain things come out of his mouth, that I did not like. And Grandpa did not like two things. Number one, he did not like men with beards. I don't know why. Sorry, Eric. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. You still got that wig on. Oh, Jesus. Oh my, oh, my gosh. He definitely works in kids' church. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why he did not like beards. But every time he would see a beard, he would say, Boy, that guy needs to shave that off, lazy. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, Grandpa. I had no clue. I never asked him why he didn't like beards, but he didn't like beards. And the second thing that Grandpa did not like was black people. He was from Alabama, worked in the cotton fields, and every now and then you'd even hear him say the N-word. And whenever I heard that, I'd say, Grandpa, you know that is wrong. You shouldn't say that. Well, whatever, that's right what they are. That's all they are. I don't care, Grandpa, because he wasn't saved. He wasn't saved. So every time I heard that growing up and staying at his house, if he would say something on TV, see something or whatever, a black person would do something wrong. That's right. That's what they are. Right, Grandpa, that's not right. Uh, and then he'd shut up. But one day, and this is the good part, one day my dad led Grandpa to the Lord. Hallelujah. In the kitchen. It was awesome. Now, the outward grandpa could not be changed. You could have made a law, which there are laws on the books, about discrimination and things of that nature, and it wouldn't have mattered because he was who he was. He was not able to change on the inside, no matter what you would do to him on the outside. Just like Paul said, I love the law, but it wasn't helping. I still did what I didn't want to do. And God has a great sense of humor. We all know that. Because after Grandpa got saved, you all know this, but guess who my Grandpa's first good friend was? A black person. And his name was Mr. Sims. How many of you know, by raising your hands, who Mr. Sims was? 
wow, my God, Mr. Sims was awesome. He was the very first black police officer in Shelby County, Ohio. And he was just honored a couple years ago in the Shelby County paper as well. You might have seen that. But every time, and he was really tall, he's like 6'3", I think. And every time Mr. Sims would come to church, I'd say, Mr. Sims, how you doing? He'd say, I'm better, Randy. I'm better. That's all he would ever say. I'm better. I'm doing better. And then he'd laugh with that crazy laugh that he always had. Man, I love Mr. Sims. And he became my grandpa's first good friend. Man, they'd go out to eat together. They'd come over. He'd laugh with him. It was awesome. And I'd just sit back there and go, God, you're something else. You are something else. And then the next person that my grandpa befriended, he would never, ever, ever rent. He had a little rental in the back of his house. He'd never rent to a black person, ever. And when he got saved, the first person that he rented to was, stand up, Don, was Don Smith right there, baby. Hallelujah. <laughs> and they got along great. And I'd see Don over at the house. They're talking. He'd come in and make sure that Mr. Waters was doing good. How you feeling today? I mean, they got along great. But it took Jesus, hallelujah, to change the inside because nobody else could. The law couldn't do it. Nobody could, but Jesus could. And that's where, right here, Paul says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? In verse 25 of Romans 8, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So Paul got the answer, and listen, it's only in Jesus. Only in Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Now let's go on just a little bit here, because this is really getting good. So then Paul says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So now there's no condemnation. Well, once of self-destructive behavior is condemnation. So what is condemnation? Hello, condemnation is the act of sentencing someone to a punishment. But now that we are in Christ Jesus, we belong to Christ Jesus, there is now no sentencing and now there is no punishment. Because we are in him. And I remember pastor years ago saying that when he first got saved, he would crawl around on the living room floor and in the bedroom and in the bathroom asking God just to please love me. Please love me. Just love me. He did that a lot because of condemnation, a self-destructive behavior. But if he would have read and if he would have been smart back then, <laughs> he's not here, I can say that. He would have read <laughs> Romans chapter 8. <laughs> it says, there is now no condemnation for because we are in Christ Jesus. The past is gone. Forget it. It's over. We are now new creatures in Christ. Self-destructive behavior be gone in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Let's read on here just a little bit. I want to read in... Okay, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. Remember, he loved the law, but it still didn't help. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like 
the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, our destructive nature, you could say, but instead follow the Spirit. Here's the point. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And that is what Paul finally figured out. No law could help him whatsoever, but it had to do with his mind. His mind. You stop self-destruction by changing your thinking. And that's the key, by changing your thinking. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your, uh, or reestablishing a new mindset. So we act out the way we feel because the way we feel is determined by the way we think. It's acting, feeling, and thinking. Here's the example. If I am acting depressed, it's because I feel depressed. I feel depressed because I'm thinking depressed thoughts, right? That's destructive behavior. We have to change. Paul got it. We have to change on the inside. And it starts with our mindset. It starts with our thinking. Romans 8, 6, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, the Bible said. And I'll almost close with this. I also remember, pastor stated, again, probably right when he got saved, I think, I don't know, I wasn't around, that he didn't love you. First got saved. He felt, he felt no love for Pastor Phyllis. Now, I don't know how he couldn't. But he didn't. And listen, you can't change a feeling. Oh, yeah, you can't. No, you can't. You can't change a feeling. Oh, well, let's say your kid is crying his eyes out. You tell him, shut up and start laughing right now. Wait, he's going to look at you and cry harder or something. He can't change a feeling. Now, if Pastor would have tried to change his feeling toward Pastor Phyllis, do you think it would have worked? No matter how good she might have looked back then. I used to look good today, but I'm just saying. No, no. <laughs> he had to change something else. His mindset toward Pastor Phyllis. And he prayed. I remember him saying he prayed. And God said, I want you to start speaking life to the marriage. Start changing your thought patterns and your confessions. And start saying, I love her. But I don't, he said. I don't care. It's not about the way you feel right now. It's about your thinking. Because if you change your thinking, then your feelings are going to change toward her. And then when your feelings change toward her, then your actions are going to start changing toward her. 
It's all with the mindset. And thank God he did what he was supposed to do because Nicole came along. Hallelujah. Amen. Hope I'm hitting the bank tonight. Bam, bam, bam. The love bank. Oh, to change, change. All right, hallelujah. <laughs> so <laughs> the change didn't happen again with Oprah, Dr. Phil, or even Viagra. I don't think they had Viagra back then. No, it changed with his mind. <laughs> his mindset. He did it by the renewing of his mind. He reestablished a new mindset by using the word and changing his confessions. Your own thoughts will cause self-destruction. And so I close with this tonight. What is your mindset? Man, are they one of those things that we talked about up there that cause self-destruction? Is it, is it, I'm thinking depressed thoughts? Well, you've got to stop thinking depressed thoughts. You've got to change the mindset. I, gluttony, pastor talked on gluttony. I don't know why. Lately, I've been hungry. I've been hungry, and I don't know why. I just, man, I could eat everything. But if, I'm getting old, whatever. <laughs> Mark, quit laughing like that. So, if, if, if I'm full, but yet I keep the rest of that Dallas filet, medium well, butterflied in front of me with a little A1 sauce on the side, and that cinnamon buttered hot roll right beside it right there if i continue to leave it there even though i'm full i'm going to eat the rest of it i don't want a to go box i want to finish it right now it's in front of me i'm thinking about it i'm smelling it but the instant that i tell the lady come and take this from me now you know what? It's pretty much instantly that feeling is gone. I do it at home. When I want a little bit more, I'll ask everybody, are you all done? Yeah, I'll go quickly, boom, open the trash compactor and throw it in the trash compactor. I don't have to think about it anymore because I'm not going in that trash compactor and eating it. <laughs> so it's gone. The desire is gone. We have to stop thinking about this. We've got to change our thinking, which changes our feelings, which then changes our actions. This is a pretty good scripture verse. As I close, two more. Romans 8, 12, this is my second closing. Romans 8, 12, it says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to the Christians, is he not? Uh, I hate to tell all the people out there that don't know this, but the entire New Testament is to the Christians. It's not to the sinners. It's to you and me who are saved. And he says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you'll die. There's one for the once saved, always saved people. Wow. And in Galatians 5.16, it says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So guys, it starts with the mind. Paul got that revelation. Why do I do what I always want to do and what I don't want to do, I always do? I love God's law. I'm trying to abide by it, 
but it's not working because of what's inside of me. Who's going to help me? Thank God it's only Jesus that can help me. Hallelujah. And if I think good thoughts, if I think on Him and I renew my mind, then I won't have to deal with this flesh and do what it wants me to do and self-destruct. That's what He's telling us tonight. Change your thinking, which will then change your feelings, which will then change your actions. Amen? All right, everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I hope you got something out of this tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And obviously, the altar is open. You know, when I was studying this, I was like, oh, man, Lord, you're hitting me on some things too, like gluttony and other things. So I had to sit there and go, God, you've got to help me. He's there to help us. He wants to help us. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. It abides in you and with you to help you succeed and have a peaceful and wonderful life if you'll abide by it. So right now, I just want you just to think. Is one of those things that we talked about up there, is it really causing me to self-destruct? Am I struggling with one of those things? Just think about it. You know if you are or you're not. And right now, right where you stand, right where you sit, I just want you to quietly ask the Lord to help you. If you need to repent, then by golly, repent. And then I want you to ask Him to help you because He said He will help us. Ask anything and I will help you. And get this message if you have to. Listen to it over and over again. Amen? And remember that when the devil comes in like a flood, when you're, when you're trying to change self-destructive behavior, listen, the devil's going to come in like a flood. I mean, somebody's going to offer to take me to Texas Roadhouse tomorrow. I know it. <laughs> and I am going to have to resist the devil and ask him, to help me, and he will raise a standard against that person who calls me. <laughs> He'll do that for us. Amen? So right now, just take a minute and just think about it. Father, we thank you tonight, and God, we just ask that you help us. God, if any of your children out here, your brothers and sisters, are dealing with self-destructive behavior in any way, Lord, right now, I just ask God, that you convict them, and they're already convicted. Hallelujah, I feel that right now. They're already conviction in the house. God, conviction is not bad, it's a good thing. He's drawing you toward him, not away, but toward him, because he loves you and wants to help you. Father, I thank you, God, for intervening, God, in helping them, God, to change their mindset, God, to start thinking on things that are pure, holy, just, and have a good report. And when a bad thought comes, don't try to ignore it, God, but help them replace it with a good thought, Father. I thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, helping them, Lord God, to replace the worldly thoughts, the worldly decisions, the worldly desires, God, with your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, all throughout this house, Holy Spirit, touch their minds, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, 
We thank you for it, Father. God, we thank you for repentive hearts, Lord God. Hallelujah. Those self-destructive behaviors, God, we curse them right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, they have to go. Father, I thank you for it, God. For, Father, when you was tempted, God, you used the word against them, and the devil had to flee in Jesus' name. I thank you for it tonight, Lord God. That self-destructive behavior, God, is gone. It's being loosed upon them. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for it, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That yoke is destroyed, Father, from their minds. God, I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Holy Spirit. God, we give you praise and glory and honor for it tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, as they leave, God, we thank you for blessing, Father, upon their households, upon their families tonight. God, I thank you that they have favor everywhere they go. Favor with you, favor with man, favor on their jobs, favor at schools. God, I thank you for promotions, Lord God, to come by their paths. For Father, they love you and are doing what is right in your eyes. So therefore, promotion comes. God, we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said...